You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, everybody. Obviously, we're going to get into everything here today. Uh, we do have some interesting things. Uh, came up with a, a fun, basic storyline here. Where Pete and I can get to pick some games here that we think of the 19th schedule have the most interest to us. Uh, a couple other things to get to, and obviously always listener questions. So, Jeff Lloyd with Pete Smith, we're going to drive you through your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound here on Lockdown Browns. Brought to you by the good folks over at Hotels.com. Uh, guys, yeah, look, I mean, you, you see so much on social media, people are traveling, whatever. Don't get upset. Make your own plans. Make your own trip. Use Hotels.com. Get rewarded basically everywhere. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded with the fine folks over at Hotels.com. Uh, the Himalaya app, uh, you know, whether it's Google, whether it's Apple, uh, if you're looking for a different place to get your source of Locked On Browns or any other podcast, check out the folks over at Himalaya uh, with the personally curated playlists where you like the show. You know, you obviously subscribe to the shows you want. They su- then you know suggest to you shows they think that may fit along your interests, similar to TiVo. But you know, you can like and comment on each episode if that is your desire. So go ahead, check out Himalaya in that respect. Uh, I do want to mention um. Guys, we've talked about the Colin Coward nonsense. And uh, the folks over at Flare Apparel, uh, Flare Apparel uh, Twitter-wise, at Flare, F-L-A-I-R-A-P-P-R-L, they've, do the, they've come up with the blocked Colin Coward t-shirt. Uh, good-looking shirt, obviously done in the brown and orange colors. Very smart. Check out the folks over at Flare Apparel. And guys, enough. Just stop feeding the fire. Uh, it's his only shtick. It's all he's got. Just... Just let it go at this point. Um, Pete, you had mentioned that we want, we should get to this, and I didn't want to get it too long, uh, you know, before it was you know something that was already you know basically a back burner or a memory. But um, Paul Johnson, longtime Navy coach, longtime Georgia Tech coach, and me, I've been preaching. Well, look, give Lamar a chance in Baltimore. Let's see what you got. Try to make him a quarterback. But uh, Pete, they brought him in, and I'm not sure exactly what in the world the Ravens' offense is going to look like. Because you drafted two wide receivers, now you're maybe bringing a guy who's a you know wish, wishbone option, you know counters, misdirection, run game type of specialist. But I, I don't know what's going on. But obviously, Pete, you brought this up, so I, I know you obviously have some thoughts that you want to get off your chest on this. Uh, yeah, I don't know, you know what. Paul Johnson is really doing, but they brought him in sort of as a guest uh, at camp. Uh, that was basically all they said, and then they'd watch tape. Um, it's interesting to me, and because immediately all these people are like talking about, well, you know, the Ravens are going to run triple option stuff, which isn't going to work, and I doubt that's the case. But what would be interesting to me is if they incorporate some line splits uh, as a creative way to the packaging. And I think against four three teams or teams that want to play with a an even front, it's largely pretty useless. Uh, I mean, it could be somewhat interesting, unless there's something I'm missing. But against odd front teams, it could be a pain in the ass because all it does at that point is you are now, unless they've got, if you've got a really good center, especially, and you can take away the nose tackle. Uh, at that point, you have now made it so their other defensive linemen, presumably, you know, if you want to call them uh, five techs, or if they've got a three and a three and a seven, or, or three and a five, or whatever combination of thing, maybe they'll shift to four eyes. Uh, that's usually how these things go. But it now puts you in a position where you can 
get two offensive linemen pretty easily onto uh, two smaller uh, opposing players. Uh, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, you, know, you see this more in high school and college, and, and they go size with size on this, and it can be it's, – it's difficult to deal with from that standpoint. You end up with outside backers lining up off, over offensive tackles, for example, and all that stuff. But it forces defenses to make a choice. And if the defensive tackles go, you know, play outside and try or try to crash inside, it either gives the opportunity for the offensive tackles to easily get outside and potentially reach, or if the defensive those defensive linemen want to shoot outside, it potentially allows you to get your guards now on unprotected uh, linebackers and. This immediately jumped out to me because I'm looking at the only team that runs a regular odd front, which would be Pittsburgh. And if you were to sort of bring this out in the second half of a game as an adjustment or a package to put in, it may be a really easy way to potentially get a guy like Devin Bush suddenly dealing with Lyman, Lyman in his face, which is exactly what you want if you're the Ravens. At that point, you have a tactical advantage. Uh, and that you've got more size than they do. You're, you know, if you're if you're talking about using all these tight ends, uh, it puts stress on a team that is playing smaller. Uh, and again, I think the easy the easiest adjustment at that point is either to put in a fourth defensive lineman, uh, which may not be which may be easier said than done for a team like the Ravens, or uh, to in their case they have guys like Bud Dupree those guys line up over tackles, which they do anyway, and you can sort of make what looks like an, a, a forefront, but really isn't. But for the Ravens, it just becomes a way to sort of try to expose and attack Devin Bush's weakness, which is he, you know, he's fast and he can fly over the field, but he's not built to take on Marshall Yonda one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. No one, no linebacker really is. Yeah, exactly. So that's, what makes it interesting to me. It's not something you go, well, we're going to run this. This could be our offense. We're just going to be Georgia tech. But if you're saying as a package where you split, you know, it, it, you don't have to split all of them. You don't have to put them in, you know, you know, two yard splits or something like that. You could theoretically do something along the lines where you just split your tackles out or you just split one side or whatever. But if you're saying, you know, if you're looking at this and going, well, we want to take advantage of Lamar's running ability and we have a bunch of other backs and guys that get the ball and we have these tight ends that we can sort of isolate uh, on, on smaller defenses, then this becomes an easy way to potentially create some quick points. And if you're the Ravens and you play really good defense, you don't really need a ton of points. You just need enough. And if you know it, it creates something else that a team potentially has to prepare for, and it, like I said, I think it really targets a team like Pittsburgh, potentially, uh, and sort of takes away some of the things that, that, that strength, the, the strengths of their defense. Cam Hayward is a stud. Stephon Tewitt is a very good player, uh, but if you can isolate them in space and potentially minimize what they can do or, or the ways they can attack you, I think you do potentially see some advantage there. Uh, it only you know, it, it's one of those things where you have to see it to actually, you know, whether or not it's actually going to work. But I do think there's more there than just LOL, triple option, this will never work. Um, and look, I mean, I remember this, you know, back from my playing days. And the most annoying thing about facing it was, is it was the, di the discipline it took. And, you know, with, with each play 
could be three different plays. It could be the dive. It could be, you know, the, you know obviously you know, the rollout with the pitch responsibility, and then it's the quarterback could be the ball carrier. The running back could be the ball carrier. Um, and one of the reason schools who don't have the talent when they go to face play, you know, teams like Alabama and things of that is, is it takes the ultimate discipline to defend it. And it's not about making the play, which is usually grained, ingrained into these young men's head. It's about, you know, making sure you did your job and cut off a blocker that may take off the guy, you know, and it's not going to open now where your pitch guy, once he gets the ball in his hands, he's basically got a free sideline to go. It's a pain in the ass to defend. The reason it doesn't have sustainability in the NFL is because if you're not fully disciplined and an intelligent player, you're probably not in the league. But it's just as much as anything else, um, if you can find a package with it and do some things with it and look uh, you know obviously it for Baltimore maybe it's something that won't be as helpful within the division because once everybody kind of gets their eyes on it you're going to get a feel for it or even now just to mention that Paul Johnson is in your building you know you know if you're Cleveland you're gonna have to do a little homework on it if you're Pittsburgh you have to do a little homework on it Cincinnati you're gonna have to do a little homework on it um, it's going to be these other teams, and the other thing is, it's always nice to have the element of surprise, even if they don't use it in somehow, some way, week in, week out. Who knows? Maybe they will never use it. Paul Johnson was at Navy, which isn't obviously far, uh, far. The uh, you know uh, the naval uh, the Navy campus isn't far from Baltimore or whatever. It could be much ado about nothing, but it's going to put some thoughts in the back of people's heads, Pete. Yeah, and immediately, it's not like you're going to want to put. Lamar Jackson under center to do this. That would be a suicide. Uh, but pistol could be interesting. If you have either you go, uh, you know, a back to his side, the back behind him, or just a single back, or you could go crazy and go diamond formation, have three backs back there. But because you have guys like Marquise Brown, because you have other receiver, or, uh, you know, tailbacks and different things, you can create sort of a dive back, you know, outside pitch sort of look where you, you have Hollywood Brown as that guy you can sort of, uh, you know, test the limits of this. So, even if you ran him with like a jet motion, or he ran the motion behind the backfield, it's just one more pain in the ass thing you got to think about. Right, but I mean, like, and specifically, if you're looking at this and going, well, look what San Diego was able to do to them, and 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 you know, with the with their defensive line and their safeties, um, that could be an interesting way to deal with it. Again, it's a way to sort of stretch out potentially Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram uh, and isolate what has been a pretty underwhelming nose tackle. And at that point, it now gives you a way to to get your, your linemen up on those safeties. You know, get a guy on Derwin James, for example. It could be interesting in that standpoint. I, you know, it may be nothing, but it's at least uh, – I, I admire – you know, I admire John Harbaugh uh, in that he's very open-minded and willing to look into things. Um, it's it, it genuinely fascinates me to see how far they're willing to take this. The 11-on-11 concept, doubling down on it, getting depth that actually makes sense for it, and then doing things like this. I wish there was more open-mindedness. Certainly you've seen some of this with the proliferation of spread concepts, that it's you know, these are things that happen, but it's the same thing. You know, these things tend to go 
from high school to college and then up. This is another thing that could do it. In general, you're saying, well, the triple option doesn't work because the, the NFL players are too fast and it's too easy to track down. And they got, you know, all the fakes in the world don't matter if, you know, the backside linebacker come all the way across the field to make the play. That's why you have to do something else with it where it could be just a way to sort of create uh, an advantage with your linemen and stuff. Uh that's that's at least interesting to me. I, I'm fascinated by the Ravens' offense. I certainly want to see the Browns beat it, but that is it, it. It really is a fun experiment to have. Like, and, and, and you know, it, people can sort of look at this as a a different way to look at what Chip Kelly tried to do in terms of bringing something else. Uh, that you know, this is obviously much different, but it's just still it's bringing in a different way of doing things to create. A potential advantage and you know you've seen things like this work you've seen uh this type of strategy cause problems obviously ronnie brown throwing the ball with miami and they won 10 games that year uh and buffalo sort of ripped that off this past year i don't think it's going to work again uh if that's going to be your full-time offense i think teams will catch up to it but as a wrinkle this becomes interesting and and that, that it's it's not much different than you know what anybody else does. Where if you've got three receivers and you and they're even slot receivers, you know you run a trips to one side. You keep them all stacked and close together, and that way you you know as a secondary you can't figure out which one's going to run deep, which one's going to run the short hitch, one's going to run the the slant or the out. And it's it, always in with the way the NFL is going. And part of this is look if you have Lamar Jackson. You, they drafted Justice Hill. You got Mark Ingram. You got running backs you trust. You got a whole bunch of tight ends who should be able to block. If this is what you're, you know, it's basically working with what's at your disposal. So it'd be foolish not to pursue something like this, whether or not you can find a way to make it work is another thing. Because the problem with these play, this and this concept and trying to use it is if you run something using this package on first and 10 and it's now second and 13, you're screwed. Because now you're taking everybody off the field, but if it's now second and three, you can continue along the path with it. Well, look, the NFL has gone so small that you know they're, they're the other the teams are going to take advantage going the other way. And Tennessee is sort of the best example right now of a team that has really embraced that. San Francisco, when Harbaugh was there, sort of did that, and they had Kaepernick and those things working. Uh, they did some of those things, but you know, forcing te- punishing teams for going small is the obvious move if you're a team that doesn't have you know the traditional uh, elite quarterback that's going to carry your offense. Uh, Lamar Jackson is certainly unorthodox, and maybe there's a path for him to be great, but realistically, it's creating a different way of doing things. So. If you're the Ravens, punishing people for going small against you, like the Chargers did and spoke to you, would be the way to go. And theoretically, if your offensive line is very good and athletic, and that's debatable at this point with the Ravens, then this could be a really good way to punish teams for going small. It's you know, and look, this is you know, it's the yin and the yang in the NFL. You know, I, I you know, I you know, I dig, you dive, and everybody just continues to counteract each other and just try to come up with something else. But look, uh. You know, if you're Baltimore now, and you know, I don't know, I don't believe they still know where they're at with Lamar Jackson. So, you know, as much as you're going to try to develop him as a passer, you're going to take advantage of the fact that you have a quarterback that probably most likely runs a sub four four. Uh, the folks over at Untuck It, um, 
Dads come in all shapes and sizes. Show, so should their shirts. Shirts. Um, tall, short, slim, relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button up at the end of the day looks so baggy? Um, it's because you know it's 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 uncomfortable for guys to pull off a uh, an untucked look. That's where untuck it comes in. The solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great, untucked, and feel comfortable at work or whatever a father may go through. You know, on the weekends, in the summertime, games, barbecues, cleaning the pool, mowing the lawn, whatever. Again, guys, dads, Father's Day is coming up. Go over to Untuckit.com. Promo code NFL to get 20% off. And we thanks we thank Untuckit for their sponsorship of Locked on Browns. Now, Pete, uh, th- this one, you know, I was mulling around today, guys. I was, you know, uh, for the most intensive purposes, unless something changes, Soccer for me is done, but, you know, as I'm walking around the fields in between games and chicken and shaking hands, coming up with show ideas, uh, I decided to go with this one here. Uh, Pete and I are going to essentially draft what we view as, you know, our top three games that we're looking forward to in the 2019 season. And, you know, there's a bunch of them, and I was smart enough to go ahead and choose six because I know Pete and I think a lot alike. But uh, Pete, I'll give you first here. But uh, you know, it's gonna be interesting. And, and I, I, if you were to ask us which are the most important six games, I guarantee you we'd agree on the top six. But it'll be interesting how we, you know, and we'll differ either way. But it'll be interesting how we view which are the actual top three on the 19th schedule. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're not really in any order. They're just the games that stand out yes. to me as much. So uh, the first one for me is Week Four. Uh, it's at the Ravens, uh, and that's it's a brutally difficult game because it's right after you go, uh, you know, Sunday night football against the Rams. Then you follow, the, you know, obviously follow that up with a, a road trip to Baltimore uh, in a big test. Obviously, it's your first division game of the year. Uh, you do have the taste of last year still there as to try and get, you know, prove prove it that you are, you know, the better team. I, again, like I said, I am genuinely fascinated by this Ravens team. They play great defense. Uh, you know, they do have things to fill. They have to replace uh, C.J. Mosley, and that's way easier said than done. But they are very good in other areas on defense. Obviously, their safeties and secondary in general is fantastic. And then this offense and what it does and how the Browns do adjust to it and the chess match that is now between uh, those sides on both sides of the ball is one of the more fascinating matchups for me in this year. Uh, actually, you know, just since you went that went with that one, um, that actually wasn't one of my six. Um, so I may have an ace in a hole here later. Um, for me, um, and Pete, you, you know, you probably started this train more than me. I'm going to go with the, the Pittsburgh road game. Um, you know, obviously, you know, they felt good about themselves, the Browns, with the tie week one. Went out there, figured, hey, you know what, uh, maybe we think the gap is closed. Got their doors blown off. But that's always going to be, that. that's going to be like one of the Everests, is is going to be able to walk into Heinz Field and basically turn it into not Heinz Ketchup, but Hans Ketchup, and own that place and let everybody know in that building, no, you can cut your freaking jokes off now and stop. Um, for the time being, our franchise has surpassed your franchise. You've let guys like Le'Veon Bell walk out the door. You've let guys like Antonio Brown go. There is better talent on the Cleveland side than there is on Pittsburgh side. 
So for me, uh, the at Steelers game, that is a huge one for me. And that is, you know, I, I don't want to say must win because obviously when you go through a 16-game schedule, it's, you know, it's going to come down to every game. But that's, that is one of the bigger statement marks because you need to tell them and you need to establish that if you're truly going to now take the reign back of no longer being little brother, that is one you're going to have to do. Yeah, I, I, I went with the Steelers. I just went with the earlier one, the home game. Uh, that's the tone setter. Uh, first, I you know, I think uh, Ben Roethlisberger dies uh, in this game. Uh, that's kind of an important thing. But if you don't win this game, um, it's going to set a huge tone for the second game, which is two weeks after that, where you go to Pittsburgh. Meanwhile, if you do win, and you potentially win in convincing fashion in that, that game – it puts a substantial amount of pressure on the Steelers in that second one. Sure, they're going to be more comfortable at home. Uh, they are going to you know, feel like they are better in their own building, as most people will. But at the same time, you know, it's now uh, much later in the year. Uh, you know, that becomes potentially a must-win game for the Steelers to uh, keep themselves alive in the division at that point. Uh, they don't want to lose both be- to the Browns because that would be uh, the- a tiebreaker situation and all those things. So, to me, it's the home game uh, against the Steelers. You have to you have to set a tone somewhere. You're in your own building. You have your own fans behind you, and everything that's going with it. You're coming off some very winnable games after the bye week. After you go pay- after Patriots, then it's at Denver and the Bills before you get to play the Steelers at home. Uh, that, that, that's where, you know, the Browns could really get themselves on that role where even if they, you know, potentially start those first six games, that, that really bitch of a stretch, they could go two and four. Uh, this is where, you know, it, it, this is where they could really start rolling, building confidence into that latter part of the schedule and really getting the point where you can see this thing rounding into not only a team that can make the playoffs, but at that point, potentially round, turning themselves into a contender, which is what we're all looking for. Um, I do have some. Uh, I have some other good options here. Uh, I think I'm going to go with this one. Um, you know, the Rams may come to this equation. That's fine. Um, but the Rams may be a game that you know, even if you play your best, it just may be too difficult. I'm going to go with Seattle. Uh, Seattle coming to Cleveland. This should be, uh, on paper, a game you win, but you're going to deal with a guy like Russell Wilson who continues and forever in this league is, you know, continues to pull magic dust out of his hat and walk out of so many situations where it looked like sure losses with a win. And this is one where you're going to you know, measure Baker as he goes against one of the game's elite and this has gone on for a little while. Guys, Russell Wilson's really, really damn good. So if you don't know that or whatever, trust me, it, it, that is the case. Russell is that legit. And it always seems like you look at Seattle and what they have on offense, and it's like, all right, well, we know Russell Wilson's good, but eh, about everybody else, you know, they're. And then some of these guys that you don't think that much of make a bunch of plays. That's going to be a key one. Uh, I'm not really sure where the Seattle defense is going to be at. That could be a day where Baker has a really, really nice day. But that's one of those where we got into it last year a couple of times with the Cincinnati games, and you know people got nervous. Oh, we can't put teams away, which last year it was first things first. They weren't even used to winning yet. So as far as putting teams away, but I think Seattle for me is a game that would be one because 
Seattle's never out of any game. So even if the Browns were to get some success early, that will be a game to measure where you are, you know, going down the road of, you know, whether or not you can put folks out because Russell Wilson is just that guy. And every time you think he is on his back and, you know, he gets up at the, you know, nine and a half count if it's a boxing match and comes back to, you know, ruin a lot of people's Sundays, Sunday nights, Monday nights, whatever. So my last one is the other Ravens game. Uh, it's the this is week. Where are we at? This would be week sixteen home game. Yes. The last, you know, what 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 could be the last big hurdle before the Browns make the playoffs? It, it could be a game that they need to get into the playoffs. It could be a tune-up game where they, uh, uh, you know, their last real test before they go to the playoffs. Uh, and again, it's a division game against a team that theoretically could make the playoffs, and you could see them a third time. Um, this uh, look, I, I I think the Ravens. There are a lot of things that make them to me very interesting and weird, but I do think right now they are the team that presents the most problem to the Browns. I'm not I'm not worried about the Steelers in the same way. I certainly think the Steelers can win. I certainly think the Steelers are a threat in the division because, you know, you have to stick the, the stake in the heart on that one. But at the same time, I am more concerned about what the Ravens do and what the Ravens do specifically as it comes to the Browns. They have uh, shown to be more problematic in terms of what they are doing. I, I really think, you know, the, the Browns potentially play – Offenses that are going to do things like this three times is be the third. Um, so I'm curious to see, in addition to everything else, if they didn't win the first time, do they can they make the adjustments and figure it out the second time? Uh, again, this becomes this is a, a December is the Bengals twice, and I guess they could be still in it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're dead at this point. And then the Cardinals, who look awful, and you know. Well, it's basically this one week in December seems to be the only. Or well, I mean, there's five games in December. The the Steelers are the on the first. Uh, the other four games of December, uh, the Ravens are really the bigger roadblock and, and potential issue that could either launch them into a playoff uh, team or prevent them from being one or messing with seeding. Either way, that fascinates me the most this season for the Browns, both times. All right, well, I had that on my list, so I'll take that one off. Uh, I've been able to actually, well, you know, you had you had different to choose from than I did. Um, the New England game. Uh, look, you're going to get the bye before it, and this is going to be a nice, you know, where are we at? Um, it's one thing to think that, you know, you're battling your way up within the AFC North, which you showed last year you're capable of doing, um, and you should hopefully show that again this year. But it's now this is the elite of your division, and if you want to talk about playoff games and possibly winning them, um, and it's it's Bill and it's Tom, and you want to see what they do to this Cleveland Browns team and the way Bill Belichick game plans around it, and you know what Bill says, we got to take away. Uh, could it be let Odell Beckham eat? Um, but we're going to take care of everything else. Could it be, you know, 
keep running the ball. We want you to run the ball. We want you to run the ball because we don't have enough faith in your defense that we think, Tom, if he gets the opportunity, we can beat you that way. When you play the Patriots, you kind of get a good feel on you know what one of the greats feels about your current product. And that's where it's going to come into. And obviously that'll be, a, I think it's a 435 game or whatever. It's going to be nationally televised in the, uh, you know, the, the second slot on Sunday. Uh, so that for me, that's that's going to be a huge one. And but like I said, I would rather it be earlier in the year, where there's still some learning and there's still some things that you can change and some hiccups that you may find within your game plan or you know the way you're you know adjusting whether it's your defensive line rotation or your you know the way you're using and executing your running backs. And the other thing though is is there's going to be the Browns would have a a, a counterpoint to that if they were to play them in the playoffs is. You saw this version before Kareem Hunt was a part of it, and now here's Kareem Hunt into it. Uh, so I'll go with the Patriots as my third choice. But uh, it's it, you know where Pete always loves to find the turd. You know where the turd games are in this 2019 schedule. But there are certainly some games where you know until you see it, until they prove it, they're gonna these games are gonna cause you some hesitation, Pete. Yeah, I mean, look, the the Browns are good enough that they should have some some games they absolutely take over and control from, you know, start to finish, or they wrestle away at some point and 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 run away from this. But they are not up at a point where they are, you know, they can walk in, uh, you know, and just win. They have to they they have to consistently show that they are engaged. They have to consistently prove it. Uh, I, I fully expect they're going to lose at least one, if not a few games. You know, they shouldn't. Uh, and at the same time, they may win a game that team people may foresee them not, you know, not being where they should be yet. Um, but that's, you know, that's part of this is, is the season is going to be learning how to win, learning how to be a good team uh, and what that actually requires. Uh, you're not surprising anybody, and I, we can get that, that you know all those cliches about target on your back and all that bullshit. But the reality is still, you know, there is no team on this. There's no team on the schedule that they cannot lose to. No, it's and you know, and we talk about it all the time. And everybody who gets so confident about things, you know, and just one. I mean, I'll give you two examples from last year: the Detroit Lions housing the Patriots, and Josh Allen and the Bills going into Minnesota and just basically wrecking shit. Uh, it is the NFL. The other guys get paid, too. Uh, the folks over at Grip Six Belts, thank you for the sponsorship of the show. Their goal is to literally make the best belt that's ever been made. It's an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, and even moms and wives and aunts and sisters, as they knew to have a, a, now do have a women's collection. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist making the belt super comfortable. Grip 6 is the only belt, again, with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip 6 has a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. Uh, check everybody out. Uh, check everything out over at Grip 6, and again, thank them, as always, for their sponsorship of the podcast. We got some listener questions to get into here, and actually, just looking at the way they came in here, this one actually is probably the perf- perfect one to go in with this. Um, from uh, at, at underscore Luckbuck, do you think the defense can survive if they get in a situation such as overtime games from last year, wearing them out, knowing they have playoff aspirations? Well, I mean, I think the defense has more more closing ability. 
you know, by the by virtue of the fact that they've got, uh, you know, uh, you know, they've upgraded their coverage, they've upgraded their pass rush. By virtue of those two things, they should be more equipped to end games, close out games, you know, defend against, defend leads. But it's a question of, they ha- obviously have more defensive line depth. It's a question of, is it enough? And that remains to be seen. And are they going to be rotated responsibly so we don't get guys worn out and, and, and exhausted over the course of the season? I mean, the answer is yes with a but. Um, they s- certainly can can get there and close out games. It's it's really the other stuff that's sort of out of their control at this point. Uh, you know, hopefully they will continue. Maybe they have the defensive li- linemen they need, especially defensive tackle. Uh, I think they have enough edge players is just picking the right ones uh, that maybe they will still uh, be shopping, looking to upgrade the defensive tackle position. But that's really the question for me. Uh, if they can, that group can sustain and, and offer enough that they don't get worn out and, and beat down. Well, I think the other thing is, is, you know, last year was part of the just winning games and, you know, and a lot of it, you know, it was the emotional toll of wow, 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 wow. And then not knowing how to do it, you know, as a unit, I think they've kind of passed that hurdle a little bit, obviously with seven, eight and one. So now it'll be a little bit more confidence and going for the kill. But yes, again, until you truly see it, it is something you're going to have to have your concerns of, um, from at J Rajbot. Uh, Wilkes playing so much nickel or four two five last year for Arizona wasn't successful. That's there's a lot to that, but uh, he even ran big tackle. Big, I'm sorry, big nickel in third and short scenarios. Could should this be a concern? Could Schobert play some of the hybrid linebacker safety because of his plus coverage skills, or is he going to be a linebacker only? Joe Schobert is your Mike linebacker. Done. Book it. I- Unless unless they move him to Will because they're moving somebody else to Mike, he's going to be on the field. He's going to be a linebacker. Um, if you talk about Steve Wilkes in Arizona, he played big nickel and four two five because that's what he had. Uh, four two five in general is what the NFL does uh, largely. Um, that scheme isn't why Arizona was bad, and that's not even really a scheme. That's just how many guys were on the field. They had two linebackers and a bunch of DBs. That is what Arizona had. They had nothing at linebacker related. San Diego got to a point where they said, fuck it. We're not playing any more linebackers. We're just going to put safeties on the field. You play what you have. Uh, and the Browns have two linebackers uh, that they are confident. In. They've got some rookies. They've got some young guys. They've got some other things. But they have two linebackers. They've got Joe Schobert and they've got Chris Kirksey. Other than that, they have built their roster to have 1,000 defensive backs. That is not by uh, coincidence. That is a designed concept because they they are looking at this as we need to stop the pass. Uh, the run, for the most part, uh, if they have to, they can load up and bring in more guys and you know focus to take on the run. They are worried about getting beat through the air, giving up big plays through the air, giving up leads through the air. That is everything about this defense. But the idea that linebackers are going to play safety, no. And, and any, any, what people are confusing is like most of the time when they're talking about that, it's not some hybrid position. It is a safety playing Mike linebacker or a safety playing uh, Will. 
It is not like some invented position. There are only a few teams who run like true spurs and that. Even that still tends to get a name like Sam or Will or whatever. Uh, unless they are a situation where maybe they have a guy like a Drew Burrow Peppers where they basically invent a position and call him something, uh, you know, they could have, you know, like he was in Michigan, he was a star or one of those things. But in general, you're going to see Mike, Will, whatever they want to call that safety position, whether it's a star, an X, whatever the hell they want to call it, a spaceship, a butterfly, who cares? They will have a name for it. They will have something to draw on the uh, – on the board, uh, you know, that could be Taki Taki at Sam. That could be Morgan Burnett as a slot safety. That could be uh, Redwine as a slot safety. That could be uh, Jermaine Whitehead if he presents himself. But if you're talking about just who are going to be the linebackers, you've got two. They're not going to move uh, short of being beaten out or injured. Uh, the rest of this is going to be what five or six defensive backs are you going to have on the field in a given situation? They're not going to get to a situation where if, if they want to put three linebackers on the field, they just put three linebackers in the field. They're not going to say, Joe Schobert, go play safety uh, so we can put another guy on there. They're just going to put another backer on the field. Yeah, and look, and part of like Arizona it was a mess last year, and uh, I'll be honest, they had players that could have done it, and a guy like Dayon Buchanan, who barely played last year in his fifth season in the NFL. Um, and there were times with Wilkes last year he had no idea what to do with a guy like Hassan Reddick. Um, I think this year as defensive coordinator, um, it's going to be a little bit more of these are the guys who are going to play, find the way to use them. And as opposed to last year where it was, you know, you had confidence in eight to maybe, you know, maybe seven, eight guys. This year you hope your confidence level is a little bit more better to, you know, 13, 14, 15, whatever. And you use them in that disposal. And look, I mean, there's, you know, injuries will dictate whether how you're going to mix things up. Uh, Joe is your mic. Everything's going to run through there. Um, and as Pete said, yeah, there's a thousand defensive backs here right now. And it seems like they like them all. And they have zero issue with playing them all. And, you know, week in, week out, the matchups will change. And, you know, who maybe plays the field as opposed to, you know, who gets more snaps out of, you know, the Mitchells and the carries and the Greedy Williamses and how that all secondary thing is going to work out. It may be what their niche is and, you know, what the game plan is for that week and what they think they're going to see. But you got to be able to adapt on the fly. And I think that was probably part of what Williams had. But, I mean, Wilkes didn't have in Arizona. But also part of the problem was is he was just put in a poor position where he had no talent and like almost like zero to none talent uh from giovanni ruviz as always uh brown's question seeing how well the eagles manage the salary cap to keep all the players they want and make moves to get the other ones any chance keeping randall schobert and treader assuming they are or uh they are all are willing to sacrifice and not make top dollar i think part of the thing is before i kick it to you pete is the eagles have something to sell right now We've been in the playoffs a bunch of times. We've got a Lombardi. Um, unless you get that type of success, it's harder to ask people to say, hey, can you take a little bit of a financial hit? Y you've got to make the playoffs. You've got to at least win a playoff game before you can sell these guys on, hey, if you stay here, yes, you're making a little bit less, but there's a better opportunity to win. The answer is yes. Theoretically, they can keep all of them. It's a question of what are you giving up to do? And there's a list of players that you can get rid of to do that. Um, and nobody likes to hear the name, but 
it starts with Jarvis Landry, Chris Kirksey, uh, Chris Hubbard, you know, uh, Smith, it, you know, TJ Carey, guys like that. It's it's a matter of choices. Uh, the other part of this is, you know, everybody's different in terms of what they're looking for. Uh, you know, what is important to insert player may vary. Uh, it's not, not a, 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 if the Browns can keep all of them, it's a question of what else do they have to give up to do that. Um, yeah, and, and, and I don't think, uh, you know, at least right now, something may change. I don't think Demarius Randall will be here next year uh, based on the way things have gone. Again, the, the, nothing set in stone there, but just sort of the trend that, that has gone with that is I think he thinks he's worth more money than, than perhaps uh, he is. Uh, and, you know, I... I don't I, like. I really like Demarius Randall. I really like what he does. He's very, very good at marketing himself to the city of Cleveland. Obviously, he's done a lot of things that have endeared himself very quickly. I mean, handing the ball to Hugh Jackson was, you know, brilliant on any number of levels. But it is—is uh, is it thirty million dollars guaranteed, brilliant? <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's the problem. Is is not only that, but. Like he's making nine million this year, uh, and that's by virtue of the fifth year option. Uh, I think he really likes the fact he's making nine million. Would like to keep making some of that. Uh, and right now he's a top five paid safety. Next year, you know, if he would, let's say he's still at nine million, he won't be. Uh, there are a bunch of guys who are making eleven to twelve million at safety next year. I, I don't think he's worth the nine million. I understand why it's like it is uh, for this year, but I think he's closer to like six. Or seven, maybe. Um, maybe he'll have a better season than than he did last year. Was certainly wasn't bad. He certainly played through a lot. Uh, got himself out there. Uh, you know, I'd love to keep him. I, I just, in terms of weighing what the Browns need and and what he does that makes him sort of special enough to warrant that, I don't see it. I think he's a good not great safety that would be a really nice cog to have in this defense because he is a tough guy, because he does uh, do all those little things to him to himself and, and does make plays. It's just, I can't envision paying him the money that at least so far uh, he has been looking for. Well, and the other thing is, is if you go with the theory of is, you know, we're going to pressure the living daylights out of the quarterback. We are going to rush the quarterback. We're going to harass the quarterback. If that's the case, you don't, need a $12 million safety. Just continue to kill the quarterback. Uh, J.C. Treader, um, he is a guy that, uh, you know, I believe, you know, obviously would like you know, more money, would like an extension. But it, even when you heard Joel Batonio talk with us, it seems like they have such a great relationship. I think J.C. Treader just wants to be healthy, wants to be appreciated, wants to make some money. I, I don't think he would be one that would be that difficult. Uh, Joe Schobert, uh, that's a little bit more difficult to tell because you know John does have the ability sometimes to just absolutely lowball guys, which kind of makes the whole thing kind of go sour. Um, if you gave Joe a fair offer, especially after the success last year, the success that should come from 2019, uh, Jay, Joe might be receptive to that and understand. And, and I do think there is a team-first guy to Joe Schobert. There is no doubt about that and understanding that, you know, we need X, Y, and Z along with me to be a competitive franchise. And I think you could have that. 
Demarius, you know, I mean, I've been told that his, you know, demands jumped, and rightfully so if you're an agent or you're a player seeing what those safeties got paid last year. Um, the question is whether or not you can get it, and, you know, if he's going to go out on the open market, open market looking for it, and the Browns are just, you know, going to go ahead and do what they got to do, and then there's, you know, basically, you know, musical chairs where Demarius Randall does not have a place anymore with this franchise. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to have, but, you know, if it's for the money that he's looking at that these safeties got in the market, no, then you're, you're, you're going to move on. Uh, so the, you know, the, the idea that he's going to let Joe Schobert walk is based on some weird fishy uh, math. Um, first, people are buying in the idea that, well, John Dorsey doesn't pay exposition. He had one opportunity to sign a linebacker in Kansas City, and he did it. It was Derek Johnson. He signed up to a shit ton of money. Um, two, this is based on the idea that Sion Takitaki, who I really like, and Mac Wilson are going to be good enough to replace both Joe Schobert and Chris Kirksey. That is incredibly risky. Uh, I don't know how you get to that point, especially with Mac Wilson, who sucked at Alabama. I'm sorry, he sucked. He can do things. He's very, In fact, he's almost the exact athlete that Joe Schobert is. He's a little more explosive. Joe Schobert's a little more flexible, uh, a little more agility. Uh, but they are really eerily similar. The difference is Joe Schobert was really good at Wisconsin, and Mac Wilson wasn't. Mac Wilson had half as many tackles uh, on his team compared to Sion Takitaki did for his team. Like It's not like a small amount. Greedy Williams freshman year, he had more tackles per his team you know, solo tackle market share. He had higher tackle solo tackle market share at corner at LSU as a freshman than Mac Wilson did at linebacker in his one year as a starter. That should scare the shit out of you. Uh, but he went Bra- to Alabama, Pete. And even if he went in the fifth round, he went to Alabama. Yes. And even if you watch John Dorsey on tape on building the Browns, when they call in the pick for Mac Wilson, he says something to the effect of the talent is in there. We have to get it out of it. That might as well be say, said the same fucking thing about Chad Thomas. That you have the same guy in that respect. Both were super uh, big-time prospects coming out of high school. Both were super underwhelming prospects in college. Both have a ton of potential upside, at least from the Brown standpoint, but almost no evidence to suggest that those things are going to happen. We are currently waiting and seeing that Chad Thomas has been more productive in training camp with no pads on and still waiting to make his first tackle. But that's what Mac Wilson is. I really like Sion Takitaki. I think I think the Browns would really like him to be the Mike Backer next year. The problem is then you have to find a Will Backer, and I don't think Mac Wilson's ever going to be that guy. I think he will be. He could be a really nice role player. Uh, maybe he can be a tight end stopper guy, which would be incredibly valuable and a guy who plays on special teams. But if you're saying to me, what would I love to have happen? It's Taki Taki being good enough to be that Mike Becker and Joe Schobert moving over to be the will. He ha- my, my whole argument with why would I sign Joe Schobert over uh, Demarius Randall is Joe Schobert does something that's genuinely special at his position. He is a phenomenal coverage linebacker. And if you watch the beginning of the year before he got hurt, uh, where he's in Pittsburgh and he's making plays, or the Jets game is like the the best, you know, the, the what you exactly what you want to see out of Joe Schobert. He absolutely murdered Sam Darnold uh, in terms of coverage, causing turnovers, making plays on the ball, 
he was phenomenal and then he got hurt. Um, Demarius Randall is a good player. He doesn't do anything that sort of makes him stand out. And maybe in this new defensive scheme where they're going to let him do more, he will. But in terms of where the NFL is going and where the Browns are going, they are a team concerned with stopping the pass. And you can bitch and moan about how many tackles Joe Schobert missed and calling him soft, which I'm sorry, he's not. (laughs) You're calling him white. Just you're saying white. I, I understand, but just call him white. You're saying he's soft because he's white. Um, the notion that he's not good is insane, but I would pay him a stupid amount of money because I know what he can do and I know what that, what is valuable in terms of the NFL. Uh, I would pay happily pay him in excess of $10 million a year. Here's the thing. Joe Schobert, to my knowledge, has not asked for anything because I don't think the Browns have even talked to him about it. Uh, so we don't even know what he actually wants. But if you're if you are of the belief that Joe Schobert is soft or Joe Schobert is a poor run player, both are provably wrong, uh, then he would be ideal to move over to the will because he'd get to play in space more. He'd have less run responsibility in terms of like being the guy right up the middle and he'd get to do more of that coverage stuff. And that would be worth a shit ton of money. And we did this. And I will continue to ask anybody who wants to take on this challenge. Name 10 better Mike linebackers in the NFL. And the last time this came up, the person named Ryan Chazier. So good luck. I'm waiting. I'm happy to have this conversation. He's a really, really good linebacker. I've seen him compared to Dequel Jackson. Joe Schobert already has, you know, Dequel Jackson had three good seasons. Joe Schobert is already at two. And that's with the year where he's quote unquote down. He was as good as Dequel Jackson was in any year. His best season was better than any year Dequel Jackson ever had. So, I think he's going to have a monster year based on what they've done. I think he's going to do nothing but prove these people wrong. Uh, and I'm hoping that the Browns will reward him. You can afford to pay one premium linebacker. Joe Schobert is the guy I would pay premium money to. Obviously, the Browns did this with with uh, with uh, Jamie Collins and with Chris Kirksey. Neither of those contracts are going to be an issue for them to get out of. They're going to get out of Kirksey next year. They already got out of Jimmy Collins. It's if, if all else fails in a couple of years and they're like, wow, this is really isn't working out, then build put in outs to get out of it. But Gilbert is 24. Taki Taki is 23. And again, I really like Taki Taki, but these are things. Or Schobert maybe 25. This is exactly the type of guy you want to invest your money into. And in addition to all the, you know, he's you know, he, he's humble, he's you know, really smart, he's all those things as far as team guy. Uh, the other thing that I have not said, and yet people are seeming to pick up on this, the, like the idea that Joe Schobert being good somehow is a commentary on the acumen of the rest of the defense. It's not. He's just really fucking good at football. So when he has a lot of range and he can cover a lot of ground, it means other guys don't have to cover as much ground. And if you want to look at this through the lens of last season, when Jamie Collins was out there without Joe Schobert, he had to cover more ground and was constantly exposed. When he wasn't, he had a much smaller area to work into, and he was significantly better. That's not a question of acumen. That's a question of skill. Joe Schobert is just really, really good at football. This is why I would pay him money. In the same respect, I would pay J.C. Treader a lot of money because he's very good. This is why I would not pay Greg Robinson a lot of money because he's pretty average. I don't want to give him a uh, a uh, what's-his-face uh, solder contract to be an average tackle. I want to pay a good center to be a good center for Baker Mayfield. These are I, I, I want to sign the good players. I want to let the bad players go and replace them. This 
to me is not not a hard thing to to to, to work out. And yet this is this is weirdly alien to people. And for whatever reason, the people who think Jarvis Landry is good are weirdly connected to the idea that Joe Schobert is bad. Right. And the people who think Jarvis Landry is at best overrated and overpaid, but may appreciate him, seem to think that Joe Schobert is really good. I don't know why that is that way, but that is constant what I, I run into as far as the, the people who argue for Jarvis Landry and the people who argue against Joe Schobert. And I can only assume that's box score stuff. That has nothing, and fantasy. That is not about actual football. Well, even still, if it was fantasy, though, it wouldn't make much sense because Jarvis only had a couple of games where he would have been fantasy relevant last year. But guys, as you can tell, Pete had himself quite a day on the Twitter timeline. And uh, <coughs> our good old uh, buddy, and it's kind of funny, Pete, because it's uh, Coach and the name afterwards, which you always seem to give me a hard time about. Because it's kind of funny, it's always him. Um, but again, guys, look, I don't care who it is. If you were a fifth-round pick in the Browns 2019 draft class, and there were two of them, there is no guarantee you have a roster spot. And that is a good thing, because that is how far this roster has come in a short, short amount of time since John Dorsey has taken over. Uh, you know, calling the shots here in Berea. Uh, Pete, anything we missed? Well, just to finish my point with that <laughs> thing is... Find me a compelling reason other than the fact you know his goddamn name and that he was drafted in the fifth round that makes uh, Mac Wilson a lock to make it over Diedrich uh, Young the second and then uh, Willie Harvey out of Iowa State, the two undrafted linebackers, because both better had production. better, not great, but both had better production and both are really athletic. I mean, in particular, the kid from Nebraska, whose production is, eh, but he's really athletic in terms of agility. But yeah, I, I, I have, I, I think, you know, this may push Mac Wilson to be better, uh, which would be great. But if you're saying other than draft position and the fact, you know, his name, give me a compelling reason that those guys aren't just as good, just as uh, reasonable to make this roster as he is, I, I, I will be surprised if anybody can come up with anything concrete. And the other thing, though, and Pete, you brought it up with the building the Browns of, you know, there's something in there. We got to get it out of them. Alabama, if Nick Saban and his staff, which is essentially the 33rd pro NFL franchise, didn't get it out of them. You know what makes you think that all of a sudden now you know the, the the light is going to go on? He's been around NFL people for three years in Alabama. It didn't go on then. They told him no, you probably shouldn't go pro yet. He went pro anyway. So it's not like he is one to just jump to or listen to those who know more than he does. Yeah, I, I, look. Uh, I am not interested in going, well, with John Dorsey said he's good, so he must be good. He's not perfect. And, you know, people are, are have already gotten themselves worked up over Kyle Kalis taking uh, first-team reps, which, by the way, would be an endorsement of John Dorsey. But, um, you know, saying, well, he took Austin Corbett, and Austin Corbett isn't, you know, dominating in shorts. Uh, so he must be a bust. So he, he has made some really great decisions. He has made some really shitty decisions. There are some in between. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, as far as you know, Jeff is concerned, we are going to, if you want 
everything to be great. I can point you to to some coverage that will tell you that Desmond Harrison was going to be the freaking franchise left tackle for this team, and that Kaiser was a franchise quarterback, and the Hugh World Order was ready to take hold. Um, but if you want a more honest evaluation where I and Jeff are willing to put ourselves out there and potentially be wrong, um, then this is you know what what where you want to go. I, if you know, again, this I will never be the Sunshine and Ponies uh, bronze fan. It just it doesn't make sense. I know too much, uh, and that's not arrogant. That's just I have too much information to tell me these things don't happen that way. Um, then I'm going to tell you what I think, and people ask me what I think, and then get mad at what I think, which is not a me problem. Um, so and most of the time they ask you it knowing already what your opinion is, which is the best part. And the, the and he, just since you went down this little bit of rabbit hole is, and this happens with you, this happens with me is, you all come out with this, you don't change your opinion, which is fine, but then you get pissed because we don't change our opinion. So w- what are you exactly trying to establish there? If we feel one way, and look, if it's eventually proven that we've changed, uh, let's see, Greg Robinson was one. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, Brashad Perryman. There you go. I, I mean, I, I remember the DM I sent to you. What the f- did they just do, Pete? Why in the world? And then there we were, five, six weeks in a row. Hey, Brashad Perryman. Brashad Perryman. Hey, can we throw a deep ball to Brashad Perryman? And there it was in the Carolina game. Well, I mean, look, I have said all along, I would not have taken Jabril Peppers. Uh, there were other guys, Cheeto Awuzie and, and Marcus Williams were guys I would have picked. But here I am, you know, two years later, I'm the guy who has to defend him, Jabril Peppers, who was great last year. Uh, well, he no longer know, wears the uniform now, so now everybody thinks he stinks. Well, but I mean, even last year, as he was doing it, people were going, well, he's not doing anything. And like... He was great, and like this is the thing. I'm going to tell you what I see or what is actually happening, regardless of what I thought. Again, I wouldn't have picked taken Peppers. I really like Peppers. I really like uh, who he is as a person. But you know, based on data and like that, I saw you know issues that could potentially hold him back. To this point, they have not. Uh, but you know, that, that's why the evaluation is the evaluation. I love Cheeto Wizzy. I still do. I wish he was on the Browns. I love that kid. Um, and Marcus Williams is very good for the, the Saints. Um, and I think Jabril Peppers is going to be great for an awful Giants team. But don't tell me that, like, you know, the, the, that we're afraid to say we're wrong. And, like, I get this crap, well, you're arrogant. Do you want us to get on the pod and give you wishy-washy takes? Or do you want us to, like, actually have something that you can grab a hold on to and, and be mad about or, or agree with or whatever? I, I mean, I, I can tell you that there is compelling radio or compelling a podcast does not have the, well, you know, I guess he could be okay, but I guess maybe we'll see and all that. Like, that's not interesting. And anyone who tells you it is, is lying. You want something to actually grab a hold onto. And, and, you know, whether it's being able to tell me I'm wrong, I'm dead wrong on something, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, you agree or whatever, that's ultimately what you really want, whether you want to admit it or not. Of course, and you know, and that's it. And look, wrong, we'll admit, we'll admit wrong, because most of the time it means that it was better and more beneficial for the Browns. And obviously, Bashard Pemmerin, Craig Robinson, things of the nature were. But the best thing is about Greg Robinson coming in and being able to play 
better than Desmond Harrison. Not great, but better. You'll also miss the point of where we told you that the Desmond Harris thing was not a good idea by any means whatsoever. So sometimes you guys, you know, you miss, you know, you miss the forest through the trees, so to speak. Pete, Browns, Maven, what's in the hopper? Uh, again, it's, it's posting videos uh, today. I posted one on, on Green Williams. Uh, yesterday I did one on, what did I do? Uh, Greg Brunson, and then the day before was uh, talking about right tackle. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's an easy way to sort of piecemeal out uh, some thoughts that can get us all through until July. Um, so that's a lot of it. Uh, there's some interesting things that could be coming down the road uh, that, uh, you know, when – we get to something we can make that official we will uh but yeah it's you know there's a lot going on there's no shortage of stuff to look at no shortage of stuff to interact with uh so it's just a question of uh which what uh what people are wanting and you know feedback or anything else like there and uh guys i got to uh pete uh sent me over to the hype video for the 2019 streetsboro football program and first thing first pete Nice facilities, and uh, you guys got some players, dude. You guys got some players. I mean, in uh, offense, fun, and uh, no wishbone. It doesn't seem like you guys are running that out there in Streetsboro, huh? Uh, we have a package where we, and you, you can see it on there a little bit. We have a old school eye with three backs and one tight end um, that we get into. But yeah, there, no, there's all kinds of things on there but yeah we have a couple of uh really special kids obviously you know we had one that uh tweeted out he had an offer from the university of kentucky my call so we're really proud of him and excited for him on that front but we've got a couple other guys who are in position to potentially have um some similar announcements but yeah there's some really good players there and uh you know our job is to hopefully not screw it up and uh one of the best plays that's a good way from it is you know pete has a running back and i always tease him he kind of reminds me of a little bit of a mini derrick henry but there's another, uh, you know, ball carry as well. And uh, I believe number six had a, dis- I think it was about halfway through, a disgusting left ha- left-handed left stiff arm We're about three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And I was just like, I went back to that like three times. Oh, 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 just nasty. Uh, obviously, Pete, we hope you success with that. Um, obviously, everything over at Browns Maven. Uh, guys, check it out at Browns Maven, brownsmaven.com. Pete busting his ass over there. At underscore Pete Smith underscore. Uh, you know, obviously throw a follow over there. The Locked On Browns Twitter account. Always appreciate you guys. You know it's a follow back account. Um, get a lot of, uh, you know, great info over there and just, you know, things that you guys want incorporated in the show. And we found a way to do this more and more. And I do appreciate you guys for it even more here over the next few weeks where it's going to be a little bit of a lull. But we do have some certain guests in mind that can come in. And it'll just be more, some of it will be just football and football in general. Uh, a buddy of uh, you know, Pete and I that we're really close with on Twitter was a former All-American at Arizona State. Uh, you guys will get to hear all about the Rose Bowl game that our buddy lost. But uh, he is a fantastic guy as far as offensive line play. This might be one where I mute myself out most of it, where him and Pete just talk. Um, but, you know, we have some fun things that we can do here in the downtime and still obviously talk about anything Browns related that comes up. But we have some fun stuff here you know, that we can go through you know, in, the, in the weeks to come so to speak, whatsoever. Um, 
The sponsorship, I want to thank the folks over at Hotels.com, obviously Untuck It, the folks at Grip6, uh, Himalaya, the podcast app, as always, check them out as well. Uh, again, check out Flair Apparel, they did the the uh, the uh, blocking Colin, Cow- uh, Colin Coward t-shirt, uh, nicely done in the brown and the orange, obviously, you know, anything brown and orange, I think most of you guys will wear anyway, but go ahead and check out the folks over at Flair Apparel, good looking t-shirt. Um... I guess so. And then me follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound LGB on the LLB. Let's go Browns.